us more. It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of We're Going There, a podcast where we take topics, cultural conversations, and taboo subjects and discuss how it impacts our life. If you're new here, I'm your host, Bianca Wattis-Oltoff, and the topic we are discussing today has been on my mind for a minute. I had a difficult conversation recently, and the conversation kept on going back to this phrase, my truth. And if you can't see me, which I know that you can't because this is a podcast, I'm giving air quotes around my truth. And the sentiment was followed with, well, that's my truth. Though I get the sentiment of that statement, I can't help but say, hold up, wait a minute. So this phrase, my truth, has been a phrase that's been around for a minute and it's gaining popularity, but I'm going to pause and say, this phrase should be reconsidered. Now, let me be real, real right now. I'm going to go as far as saying is we should probably stop saying this phrase. You may have to catch yourself because I've said it as well, but since this phrase has caught on, it might even be a discipline that we force ourselves to do. Now, I'm going to pause and I'm going to answer some skeptics question out there that's saying, wait a minute, how dare you suggest that someone not speak their truth? What if it is my truth? Shouldn't I be able to speak my truth? See, your truth and my truth may not be the truth. And that's not just my truth, but the truth. Yeah, it gets confusing, doesn't it? Just because I insist that something is true for me doesn't make it true. I mean, let's get real. Plenty of times I've believed that something has been true for me when in reality, it's been an absolute falsity. No matter how much I believe that the tooth fairy was the one putting a few bucks underneath my pillow, my truth wasn't the truth. In today's episode, we're talking to my good friend, author, podcaster, Bible teacher, and overall amazing woman, Jada Edwards. If there's one person who has really made me think twice, long, and hard about capital T truth, it's this woman. I hope you didn't wear your good shoes because she's about to step on some toes. Jada Edwards, thank you for being on We're Going There. I'm so excited to have you on. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. So excited. I have to wash my mouth. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's called We're Going There. Okay. So you have permission mm. to go there. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things about sitting across the table from you is that there are no bars held, okay? <laughs> like, if if there's one thing that we know about Sister Jada Edwards is she's going to shoot it straight. She's going to shoot it straight. Um, I mentioned this in the introduction, but it's not just like a high and by relational kind of like friendship. I value you. I look up to you. You've poured into the leaders of the Father's House Orange County. I've been able to go and serve at your church. Um, We see each other at various conferences and it just picks up right where we left off. And I'm just, I'm grateful for you. I'm so excited that you get to be on the show. And if there's one person that I know can talk about this little topic called truth, it is Jada. Okay, okay, okay. So this is a little, a little, it's not a quiz, but it's kind of a quiz. Where was the first time that we met? Devoted Hearts Something Something Conference in Dallas. Negative. Wait, actually. Oh, baby. Oh. Okay, okay. Honey, auntie, was I am correct. Was it? Oh my goodness. Yes. We're over here talking about truth, and I got to hold that to the truth because yes. I just sent you the truth. Girl. Because wait, we wait, wait, said, wait. oh my gosh, I get to meet you. We're going to Israel next week. We were literally going to Israel. Okay, but Jada, 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 wait a minute. No. But if gathering in Dallas was the first time that I heard you preach, I'm almost positive. But I don't think we met because I met you when oh, Crystal you, had you on right. her episode. 
Crystal Hurst oh my on goodness. her podcast. And I was like, oh my God, I get to put my arms around you and give you a hug. We're going to Israel together. Crunch. Listen. One point Listen. Jada. One point Jada. One point Jada. Oh my gosh, you're right. Okay, question number two. Question number two. Do you remember what you taught on at If Gathering in Dallas? It probably would have been something in Galatians because that's where I ah! Two points for was it Jada. Oh, good. good it good. was. Was. <laughs> Listen, well, this is where we're going to start the episode because I think this is just, it just behooves our conversation. You gave an analogy on this issue called truth that has never left me. And that says a lot, Jay, because it was uh, 2018. And I, and now we're in 2022, since four years ago, I vividly remember when you were talking about truth and you said, it's so easy for us to say, oh, it's just a little bit off. But if we go to Amazon and Amazon, we want to purchase whatever we, you know, clicked on Amazon that's in our cart and we put in our credit card number, you said that you could have 15 of the digits right. But if that last number is wrong, it's not going to let you check out of your cart. And that's the problem with truth being muddled uh, is that it's just one number wrong yeah. and we think it's okay. Mm -hmm. This is where I want to start. I <clears> feel <throat> like every preacher, every teacher, they have like a zhuzh about them. I call it a sauce. <laughs> like every, every teacher, every preacher, every communicator has a sauce. And I could take your manuscript, but I can't preach it like you because it's not my sauce. Yeah, that's true. Jada, your sauce is truth. And this is the topic that I want to address today. And uh -huh. I already feel my voice going high because yeah. I get a little turnt and I get a little excited Come about on, this. Let's turn. But, but this is kind of what I want you to do. I feel like I want to be cautious with the word expert, but I'm going to go as far as saying, like, I really love your heart in fighting for defining truth and speaking truth into a world where this is my truth. And we're right. going to get to that in a second. Right. But from your perspective, um, what is truth from a cultural standpoint? And then I want you to juxtapose that with the truth of the word of God. Give me your definitions on how you're defining them. Well, I think truth from the cultural perspective is very me-centered. It's very situational. Uh, it's very mm. relative. It's evolving. And the purpose of truth from the culture is to serve self. So people say, I need the truth that serves me well. And so... If I get married and my truth is loyalty and faithfulness, then that's great for me. But something happens in the marriage and then my tr the truth that best serves me is space from, you know, unhealthy relationships and you're unhealthy, then that becomes my highest truth, right? So truth in the culture is, is very relative. It's very self-centered and it's self-serving. Truth in the culture is really about that individual uh, creating their best life experience. A uh, truth in scripture is permanent. It is absolute. It's unchanging. It may it may show itself up in different ways because wisdom says I can take the same truth and apply it a million different ways. So it's not that it's unyielding. It's not that it's irrelevant. It's just that it's it's absolute, right? So, and it's God serving. The, the truth in scripture serves God first. And because I love God and I trust God, I tend to benefit from that truth. But that is not the goal of that truth. So when people use this phrase or use this this very like now understanding of truth, where I'll hear people from social media, conversations, reality TV say my truth. Well, this is my truth. Can you speak to what my truth 
is doing within media and culture? And what's the danger of us using this nomenclature of my truth? Right. Well, so first of all, I'm going to say, because I'm always like the negative, get your life together person. I'm going to start out (laughs) with something positive. The Lord is stretching me in this season to throw a little bit of sunshine into all of my get your life. (laughs) So, but truthfully, from a positive standpoint, my truth is not all bad. I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. There are times where you, for example, have a principle that says God wants your best. He wants your first fruit. And so we tend to go with a 10% minimum, the tithe established in the Old Testament, blah, 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 mm-hmm. with a cheerful heart, right? Someone may say, I give God my 10% and then I go on with my life and God has been faithful. And someone else may say, I give God 10% of my income, but any gift I get that's above my regular income, I give God 50%. That's just, that's my truth, right? That is what God has shared with me. Or someone may say, I have to be careful of what I allow myself to read and see, but that's a dynamic thing. I make those decisions case by case. Someone else may say, I never see rated R movies. I just, I already know my, that's my truth, right? So there are times where that phrase is used and it's a, it's a personal boundary that I think is spirit led, that God has said, you've taken a principle I've had and made it more conservative because you know what works for you, right? But most often what we hear is that my truth is kind of some, it's some trump card that says, I don't have to be on some same page of morality and love and ethics because my truth says I protect me at all cost. And mm. I think very often it's just used like a trump card, you know, and by the way, the world uses it, but the church uses it like this. We say, I believe God told me. And so once you say that, I know everybody's going to be like, don't ever have her again. Listen, once you say that, it's the Trump card. So small group, accountability, your leaders, your friends, if they have a challenge for that or they want to test that idea or test that decision, well, I feel like God told me, well, that's my Trump card. You're basically saying it's my truth because unless you can guarantee, Mm -hmm. which we never can, what the Holy Spirit is telling us. I mean, we do our best. Just say, I kind of have this impression and I've kind of been in this place in scripture and look what God's lining up providentially. I mean, give me that. And you still Mm. know that you're going to make your best decision. And if it goes bad, it's your fault, not God's fault, right? Like we still know. (laughs) I mean, seriously, you still have to leave room for the human factor. But when we speak with absolution, you know what I'm saying? God told me. I really believe the Lord is, it just... It's the trump card. It's the church's version of my truth. And so I think that idea of, I just want to be right. I want to do what I want to do. If I don't know God, I just want to do what I want to do and have a great life. If I do know God, I want to do what I want to do and I want God to bless it. So it's still, it's still the self-centeredness of humanity finding a way to kind of seep into the way we see truth. So I'm just going to confess this to you because so totally convicted. And I know that it wasn't a God told me. It was, I didn't want to do it. I was like kind of talking to this guy and I used the whole, God told me I'm supposed to enter into a season of singleness. And that was just a straight up lie. And it was because I didn't have the gonads to be like, yo, I'm not attracted to you, you know? And I think that sometimes you're right. I think that we could hide behind just owning or being held accountable because we want to say, God told me. Okay. So do you think, do you think with, in in line with my truth, do you think that it could lead to compromising what God has called us to do? Because 
Like, okay, so there's the Bible certain is ambiguous about a, a couple things. Like smoking's not mentioned in the Bible. What about herbs like marijuana? Mm-hmm. What about and and then okay, so I don't smoke, but I do edibles. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's there's a lot of uh, dating's not listed in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like so there's certain things that are very cultural to us, mm-hmm. but not specific in the Bible. Right. So as somebody who speaks on truth and advocates for truth and is an ardent, amazing Bible teacher. What do you what, what do you do to fill in the gaps if the Bible is silent on a topic that could feel a little gray? I tend to tell people, start with like the foundational principle and then let the Holy Spirit be your wisdom in, in application, which is what you should do in scripture, right? It's observation, interpretation, application. So if it's edibles, if it's smoking, I don't think, I'm not going to say, Oh, cigarette smoking is worse than edibles, is worse than drug use, is worse than alcoholism, is worse than gambling. I'm That's not my place to measure the weight of sin in a person's life. But I can say, is your greatest satisfaction in God? I do know in scripture, I'm called to have my greatest satisfaction in God, that he's my abundance, he's my joy. Okay, if I start with that ending principle, okay, God, can you challenge me as to what's driving this? Is it medicinal? Am I, is this helping my anxiety in some way that I need to be leaning into you? Is this temporary? Is this my long-term solution? Is this escapism? Because my Bible tells me God provides the way of escape, right? So it's, I think if we stay grounded in principles, because truthfully in my own life, I don't have an immediate scripture that pops to mind for every single thing I encounter, but I have to say, here's what I know to be true. Okay, God, what does that truth look like in this situation? And Mm. you will certainly know that if my greatest satisfaction is in God, and if I'm supposed to hold things of this earth loosely, and the temple is to honor him, and et cetera, et cetera, all these big principles, man, that makes it really tough to justify addiction as a believer. Um, It makes it really tough to to prioritize money the way that I do. And so Mm. I was just sharing recently about, the Ten Commandments, like old school, we went to Exodus 20. And so um, I talked about Matthew 22, where Jesus sums it up, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, mark, as strength. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor, yourself, right? So he's saying basically all the laws love God, love people. The Ten Commandments give us a little bit of backdrop as to what was on God's heart when he first shared those things. But if you ask those two, two simple questions, God, when I indulge in this or when I use this to medicate, is this helping me love you or am I choosing another God? Is this helping me love people? Because somebody called me yesterday and they were like, hey, I want to have lunch with you. And I, my general MO is like, yeah, you know, but I'm busy. It's not even just busy from an arrogant way. It's like, I'm really trying to lead a team and manage well the people that I got. That is my default, right? I have to work really hard at that because my default is no, like I'm good. I, no. So, but I got some great women that I've discipled and I'm going to connect you, blah, blah, blah. But in the past several years, the Lord has challenged me to say, that's fine that you have a way to set boundaries and protect your time and blah, blah, blah. But are you protecting your time for you? Are you protecting your time so you can do my work? Because if it's for me, you're going to still check in with me every time. And the Lord generally will say to me, hey, they need to meet with this person. And he's so faithful. He'll be like this person or here's what they need because he knows what I can handle. But when I'm open to him, just like what happened this weekend, a random person walks up to me after church and instantly I'm like, Holy Spirit, yes, no, give them so-and-so. And he's like, no, 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 you need to meet with her. And then I'm like, okay, because 
if I don't do that, no one on the outside is going to say it's a sin to meet with her or sin to not meet with her. That That's not, sin is not, everybody can't measure my sin. I know in my heart, if I first ask God how I can love him and love her, and then if he gave me something that said meet with her, and then I still offloaded her, that's sin. That's sin. Mm. It's not just yeah. bliss. It's between you and the Lord, and he knows. And so I, I say all that to say, in any situation, start with the highest principles, loving God and loving people. And if you just ask God the question, is this how you want me to love you in this situation? Is this how you want me to love her? Is this how you want me to love my own body? He'll tell you. He'll tell you. And I, I don't I don't try to create a um, broad net of do's and don'ts for people. I mm. think it just gets us all messed up. Okay, so we could be going down a treacherous path that has lots of answers. But so you'd mentioned this earlier, like if you know you're held accountable and like, well, that doesn't serve me and that's like my truth, whatever. You know that you need to approach somebody mm-hmm. with something that you're saying in their life. Like, how do you go about that from a truth perspective? while still serving like a whole side of grace mm-hmm, to it mm-hmm. and making sure that other people don't get to default to the, to the my truth trap. Absolutely. So especially in a position of leadership, whether you're leading in a church or in an organization or a team or whatever, I think sometimes we assume that the position of leadership gives us the privilege of accountability. And that's not always the Wait, say that again. I think that sometimes we assume that the position of leadership gives me the privilege of accountability at all at all areas of a person's life. And I can hold them accountable to what I've asked them to do. Get get your work done for me. Here's the commitments we agreed upon, expectations, things like that. That's a no-brainer. This is why you're with me. This is why I'm leading you to do accomplish this thing. When it gets into personal life, even as a pastor, leader, teacher, I, I have to ask myself, number one, is this something I need to talk to God about first? Number two, if he says this person needs to be addressed, I still say, am I the one that needs to say it? Am I prayerful? Because there may be somebody who has greater relationship with that person than I do, even though I lead them. I mean, it's really not about their work, right? If it's about their work, that's different. If it's some sin issue or, you know, hard thing you think you see, I'm like, okay, God, does do I need to say it? Maybe I see it. Maybe he's letting me see it so I can pray about it. I mean, I don't, mm. I don't, I have to work hard and this is hard for me. I'm a talker, fixer. I see your stuff. Let me tell you about your stuff. And guys, like, hold on. Sometimes I let you see stuff so me and you can talk about it. You know, it's Ephesians 3. It's called intercessory prayer. Ask me to do exceedingly abundantly on somebody on somebody else's behalf. And so I just think there tends to be several steps, number one, before you even get to talking to someone that we tend to not take because we love Matthew 18. I'm like, yeah, but there's a heart behind that, right? So I'm, I'm careful about what needs to be said and who should say it. And then when we get to that point, mm. I'm, I am really trying to be prayerful about what's the issue I'm bringing up, right? Because sometimes the behavior that I see is not the issue. I don't want them to fix that behavior and still not have addressed the heart issue. So if I think you're perpetually dating a bunch of women in our church and you're a guy in our church and I see that and I can't find a guy to talk to this dude about it or something random where I where somehow I feel like this is the Lord asking me and my husband or somebody to talk to this person about it. Let me use a girl so people don't get weird into all gender stuff. So if I, if I have to talk to her about her dating relationship, right? Can't find nobody in a ministry. Nobody knows her well enough to say it, blah, blah, blah. I have to talk to her. My thing is not going to be like, you're creating a bad reputation because you're dating a bunch of people, blah, blah, blah. 
I just think that's cleaning the cup from the outside in. I'm probably going to say to her, tell me what's going on. Tell me where you are with God right now. Because I want to have a conversation to figure out what's going on in her heart. Because there's something mm-hmm. she's trying to fulfill in all these relationships. And I'm probably going to say to her, here's what I see. Here's what I've heard. Here's what people have said. I don't think you, I don't think you want that reputation, number one. Number two, is there something deeper that you think this is solving? You know, Because when people realize you care about them, you can address almost any issue. Um, most of us tend to put the issue over the person. And so um, that's a whole long answer to saying, I think as believers, we have all the power and all the tools by being patient with the Holy Spirit, doing it his way. He gives you the words, Colossians 4, 6. He gives you speech that's seasoned for the moment, words you would not have come up with on your best day. He gives you the words to say to that person, the right questions to ask. Then all of a sudden, Whatever they coming up talking about my truth or whatever, I mean, you're so spirit filled and spirit led in that moment. You're like, I already know what I know what you're thinking. Here, here's here's what I think, and we can talk about it. So I, I think that this is a long answer, but I, I really think we get in those pits because we haven't done all that back work, and we feel like we have more right to speak into people's life than we than we really do. Yeah. No, that's that one hundred percent, one hundred percent. What's so fascinating about Jada is that like you can, you say, oh, this was a really long answer, and I think it's better said that you're giving us a lot of context because this idea of holding people accountable or speaking truth and truth in love, it feels kind of like overwhelming. But you gave us a scenario with like handles to hold on to, so that if we ever have to have that conversation, we yeah. like know what to do. Yeah. No, okay, so. In, in light of speaking truth, and I do believe that you've got your ear to the ground and you're so good at just kind of like seeing where the wind is blowing, what God is doing. <laughs> what's, what's truth that you're seeing right now within Christianity, inside and outside the church? What are you seeing and what do you have to say about it? And this is your opportunity to speak truth. And remember, you define you define a cultural <laughs> truth as me and relative and self-serving, but the truth of God's word Girl, <laughs> is, is permanent. So I want to know, like, what do you what do you see um, going on within church right now? I think that the struggle, unfortunately, I think the struggle in church is very similar to what's struggling happening in our culture. Number one, we are not distinct enough. I mean, it is. I don't want to be surprised when I go to your bio line and it's like, Dot had the king. Really? That's what you said? Like, seriously? Follower of Jesus. Why is that shock value? Because literally I'm reading your exchange. I'm reading your post. I'm seeing the things you like. And so um, I think the struggle of the church is that we have become kind of our own gods, gods into ourselves. And so that means I find a way to take my opinions, my positions, and I make them somehow like spiritual. Like I I add a weight to them by saying, here's what God is saying, or here's what Christians should do. So there's one, there's this self, there's a self kind of, I don't know, self-involvement. That's just like, I don't remember so much a time growing up where people could not disagree civilly on things. And like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just so, I like I have to be entrenched in my position. I have to disconnect from you, cut you off. There's a comfort level with hate. 
you know, like to me that I that I don't remember seeing. And shucks, I'm a black woman in America and I, I don't remember seeing it look like this where it was just everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like anything yeah. could get you on the unfriended list. Anything could block you, get you blocked. And so I think there's a self-centeredness there. But number two, I think that the pandemic really exposed the church, the global church, and that um, we were presenting and performing and not really teaching. So when we could not gather anymore, we were not, you know, giving people tools, even though people have their own personal responsibility. I'm a big believer in that. But I don't think we were necessarily saying, here's the tools, here's the principles, here's the foundations of truth. We were so driven by application, which is great. I want to have a great marriage. I want to be a good parent. I want to have healthy finances. But if that's not all tied back to those things, help me reflect God's glory. Those things mm. help me love people better. And so yeah. when you don't have that, the anchor that all this application is tied to, then you're scattered and you can't gather. And now you're just like, well, I don't even have nothing to apply. I'm not talking to nobody. So what's me? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like all these little yeah. tools and toolkits and handouts and toolbox and all these things. They don't even really mean anything right now. I'm not talking to enough people to apply these things. Now I'm just left to what? What's going to anchor me, right? And so I just think the struggle in the church, besides the self-centeredness, is that we've gotten away from a gospel-centered, Jehovah-centered, this is the purpose of your existence, to glorify God, to love him well, to love people well. Here's how that can show up in your life in your parenting, in your marriage, but we don't, we, I think the anchor has gotten lost and we just are application driven and it doesn't give people much to hold on to um, when mm. times get tough. And so then they're left to their own devices. And again, I'm a huge believer in self-feeding. If you got a Bible and you're a believer, you got the spirit of God and the word of God. So it ain't nobody else's fault. I'm just saying, as far as the role of the church, I don't know that we've really equipped people. You know what I'm saying? You know how like yeah. if you go to your mama's table for dinner like, especially if you, you go back to your home, to your mom's house, you walking out of there with to-go boxes. She's like, here, baby, here's something <laughs> for you. You see what I'm saying? You go to a friend's house that's your age. It's just, it's enough for that time. And when you leave, <laughs> when that's all you're eating for the week, you end up hungry. You know, and I think the churches have fallen into that. We're, we're not giving people like some takeaway stuff. Here's some meat you can, mm. you can get, eat you on the rest of the week. It's like all the fancy, cool stuff. Here's my dessert. And here's my charcuterie board. And here's my business. And, here's, and it's great. But as soon as you're not in my presence for two hours, you're hungry again. Right. So yeah. I think COVID exposed us and we're having a hard time recovering, trying to find some sense of like solid foundation. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably what where the church is struggling right now. OK, so as we wrap this up. There's going to be someone that's listening and saying, I'm listening to this and I'm realizing that my version of truth has been skewed or I found myself always saying, oh yeah, my truth. Mm -hmm. What do you give her as a practical handle? What do you give her as like, hey, I just want you to think about this mm -hmm. and the exploration of living by God's truth versus a cultural understanding of my truth? Yeah, I'd probably give her uh, back to the beginning, you know, Isaiah 43, we're created for his glory, Genesis 3, in his image and for his intention. And so I think there is a God-centeredness. We say put God first, and that's not, we really just mean do your thing and then bring God along as support. But like mm -hmm. when God is really centered, we pause more. I'm a talker. I'm a fast thinker and a fast decision maker. So I know when I'm doing my own thing. And we're human, so we respond to pain. 
I don't want to feel pain again. So this is what I'm establishing in my life to not feel pain again. And so when I'm God centered, I am vulnerable to keep asking the question, is this self-protective? Is this self-serving? Because I think questions are better than you're not going to always have a list of every answer. You've got to say, like Psalm 139, 23, 24, when David has already established, God, you know me, you search me, you know me, you know when I sit up, when I fall down, when I, before thoughts are formed, blah, blah, blah. He ends, the, he ends that passage after he's established that God knows him and says, search me, oh God. So it's not because God needs to know him. He's like, God, I need you who knows me better than me. I need you to show me me. Try me. If there's anything anxious deal with that. So then you can lead me in righteousness. So he's not saying help me behave better. He's saying search me. And I think if we would, if we would spend time doing that sometimes saying, God, just search me. I'm feeling this, but is it just me? Man, he, he's ready and willing to speak. And so I, I'll never say I have the answer to every specific scenario, but if you are feeling like maybe your truth is getting mixed up with God's truth, just ask the question, search me. And then be patient enough for him to answer. And he won't He won't disappoint. Jada, you and Jesus have something in common. Y'all never disappoint. Okay? You never disappoint. I am so grateful for just your, not just your words of wisdom, but your words of truth. And so I'm, I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful to cheer you on from afar. Every time I get an opportunity to talk about you or tell people about you, honest to God, hand to heaven, I do. Um, for anyone out there that wants more information uh, specifically about your Galatians Bible study, because you sent me a copy and I thought it was phenomenal. Yes, yes. We're going to put a link in the show notes as okay. well as ways to follow you online at Jada underscore Edwards on social media. Yep. But to stay up to date with what you're doing, your teachings, your podcast, and all the fun things that you're producing. So yep. I love it. And thank you for your time and being on the show. Thank you. You're amazing. Friends, don't you just love her? If you want more of Jada, you can check her out on social media at Jada underscore Edwards. Or you can get one of her three different Bible studies on Amazon. I have made it very simple and put links in the show notes. My favorite thing to do is to go online and see when people are sharing where they're listening to this podcast and what they've learned from the show. Show Jada some love and share something on social media about the podcast. Or better yet, share this podcast with a friend who needs to know the truth. Thanks for listening and tuning in. If you love the show, consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast and subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes. Love you, friends. I'm sure you already know this by now, but I love to celebrate. I love to gather people. I love for people to encounter the presence of God and have fun in the midst. Now, if you've been around here for a moment, you might know that I am passionate about our local church, the Father's House, Orange County, and we are hosting for the very first time our very first women's conference. We have amazing guest speakers like Lisa Bevere, Hosanna Wong, I'll be there, and a couple other people. They're gonna gather together and we want people to breathe. In fact, the theme of our gathering, the theme of our conference is breathe, girl, because we have been running at the speed of life and many of us have lost our breath. This is your invitation to be part of this in a digital sense. If you want to register for this conference, you can buy a digital pass and join us live on Saturday, September 17th. The beautiful part about this is that if you cannot be there live on the 17th, all assets will be mailed to you within the first week of the conference. You can go ahead and click the link in the show notes and register to save your online spot.